Hello, everyone. I'm Abigail Wald. And I'm Missy Pyle. And you are listening to Raising and Rising. We created this podcast for parents because we're one of you. We get you and we love you. I believe that from the moment that we become a parent, we have a vision of the kind of childhood we want our children to have and a vision of the kind of parent that we want to be. And while we always love our children, we don't always like them or their behavior. We are here to help you reconnect with that original vision of yours and give you the tools to make it your actual reality. Each episode, we talk to parents who feel that they are often getting pushed past their breaking point. We give loving, constructive solutions and new ways of thinking about your everyday parenting problems so you can confidently rise up to the challenge of raising strong-willed children who thrive within themselves, within your family, and within the larger world. On this episode of Raising and Rising, we're going to speak with Nicole from Philadelphia. Nicole is a night shift nurse and the mother of two boys, ages four and five. Today, we're focusing on her youngest son, Jack. Jack is a loving and passionate boy who often dotingly refers to his mama as a princess. Often, his passionate energy is directed, though, in unhealthy ways. Nicole and her husband have worked diligently to redirect Jack's behavior to no avail. So in this episode, we explore how to de-escalate these intense moments, what it means to be a safe space for your child, and the importance of what Abigail calls pre-work and repair. Welcome, Nicole. Good morning. The only time I ever Zoom is to do pretend life-saving skills, so this is uh, a little different. <laughs> I mean, or not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> on dummies or people that I don't know of. My life-saving skills normally are just at home, but I don't actually have to pound on your chest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that's all we need today on the podcast. It's right? great. And we're so grateful that you're here. And, you know, part of this is to help you, right, with any questions that you might have. But part of it is also to open up this conversation about parenting on a grander scale because those of us with strong-willed kids are often put in situations where all the other kids will listen. And then there's that one kid who does, doesn't, they do their own thing. <laughs> and, you know, then we as parents feel like, oh gosh, there's something wrong with my kid or there's something wrong with me. I personally feel incredibly passionate about stopping that stigma, both for parents and for kids and being open about what's happening in each of our homes. And, um, making it not only okay, but actually beautiful and wonderful and real and normalizing what it's like to raise kids at all, let alone highly sensitive, strong-willed kids. And I think that we have an epidemic of anxiety and lots of other stuff going on in our kids' lives these years. And, you know, this is an important piece of it actually is how we raise them. So it's interesting. Um, I have a very highly sensitive kid and I have a very strong-willed, um, I think I've used the word stubborn a lot. My strong-willed kid is not so sensitive, but he has like the biggest heart in the whole entire world. So there is a sensitivity component to it, but, and maybe that's more internal for him, but my highly sensitive kid who's, he's strong-willed, but he's like regulated. He, interestingly enough, I feel like he's so sensitive on the outside, but he really is. He's, he's very um, flexible. So I have two, and they're 13 months apart, um, which is always, is very interesting dynamic in our house too, because they basically don't know life without each other. Yeah. Um, and the little one, I think, pulls on a lot from the older one. And the older one now is, I think, pulling on things from the little one. 
Um, but it's amazing to me that you can have two kids that are born, two boys that are born that closely in age together who are, are pretty similar, but then can be just so incredibly drastically different. Um, yeah. And so learning how to navigate their personalities and allowing them to be their own person probably has been something that we, like my husband and I, are very cognizant of because, you know, we can't deal with both of them in the same way when their responses or their behaviors are different. So just trying to be really like cognizant of, okay, Charlie, who's my older one, this is how he like intercepts feelings, or this is how he understands things, or this is how he communicates. But then my little one, this is how he, you know, understands things or how he communicates. Like it's almost like kind of that love language, but for little kids. Absolutely. I think that's so important, actually. I think parents often feel like, you know, I want my kids to know that they're loved equally. And so they try to love their kids the same. And I often tell parents, like, you actually don't um, necessarily do your kids any favors by doing that. It creates actually a tremendous amount of um, stress and anxiety to treat kids exactly equally because they're not the same person. And so they're not going to experience it equally. And then it tells them that equal is actually what we're going for. And I like to say, we want to be fully responsive, So you want to do exactly what you're doing, which is to parent each child how each child needs to be parented. So that's fantastic. Well, that's, that's my theory. I can't, I can't promise that it actually happens. It plays out, (laughs) but that's, I mean, that's kind of, you know, what we try to do. So tell me where you get stuck. Like where are the moments that you feel like, Hey, I'd love to know in this moment, like what would be a great way to handle this? Or this drives um, me crazy over and over and over again. So probably my little one is presents the most challenges for me uh, as a parent. I think in terms of discipline or just in terms of, he, I th- I feel like he's we're struggling with him being able to regulate his emotions. And he's four, so you know the ability to. I mean, I can't even regulate my emotions. I'll be forty four, so like I can't expect a, a four year old to really know how to regulate emotions. But, I can't either. I can't. Yeah, I right. Mean, like, every I, day. I'm still trying to learn that. It's a challenge. Um, I mean, it depends on if I've had coffee or how much wine I've had. I mean, all that stuff <laughs> takes into consideration. Right. So, but like a, um, you can just limit their wine intake. Right. Yeah. I've tried that. That doesn't work either. Um, they're very, they're on a tea kick right now. So I'm going to try to work with that. But I, I, I guess a good example is this morning. I was like, man, I wish you guys were in my house this morning when there's a whole lot of screaming and then a hold of, I love you and you're a princess. And, um, you know, just that morning dynamic of trying to get ready for school and one wants to do one thing and one doesn't want to do the other thing. But um, I think where I get stuck is, so my little one is, is big He's four, but he, most people probably think he's like seven or eight and his stature also, yeah, he's a real big kid. He's 60 pounds and he's like four and a half feet. He's huge. Um, so he's not ready to play football yet, but he also has like the biggest heart and the biggest emotions. And he goes from zero to a hundred with everything, like zero to a hundred. I love you. I want to snuggle with you to, I don't like you. I'm going to go find a new family. Like it literally runs the gamut with him. And then somewhere in the middle, he kind of just settles in. So where I get stuck with him, um, like this morning, he just was name calling, name calling my, my older son who's yelling back at him and there's like no communication. So I'm trying to break that down at seven 30 in the morning. And he, it's, I guess where I get stuck is trying to figure out how do I, like, we have this 
constant communication battle about not name calling and, but then also the retaliation. Like he's, he, I think because he's so big and he doesn't always know how to channel his emotions, he physically will retaliate like against my older son. I mean, even my husband, like he, sometimes he's playing around, he roughhouses. And the other day they were wrestling and he literally just hauled off and punched my husband in the face because he was like, you did that on purpose. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't. Yeah. So I guess getting stuck, it's like getting stuck in how do you like channel or redirect that physical component of his emotions and how do you, how do I get, I can't seem to be able to get him to almost like snap out of it when he's in, like he's seeing red. So here's the thing, um, you know, and we don't, we don't love to talk about this, um, you know, as humans, but the reality is. Uh, it's nice. It's helpful to think of it as a like a almost like imagine like a bell curve, right? So imagine that there's a line cutting across that bell curve, taking the top of it like a horizontal line, and so now the top of that bell curve is that place where somebody is like gone, mm-hmm. right? And so they're ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, like going up on a roller coaster, and there is a certain point at which the momentum is so big, the only way out is up and down, Mm -hmm. right? And that's just the reality. And so what happens is your best parenting movement is on the beginning or on the end under the line. Once they've crossed that line, you're absolutely right. And that is the red line. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They can't think. There is no reasoning. There is no ability to process in that space. All right. And that's for them, for us, for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why all of the work has to be what I call pre-work and repair. And in that space, I call that land the plane space. Like Mm -hmm. you just have to land the plane safely. That This is not time for flying lessons. This is not time to learn how to do better. This is not time to go back and go, what happened? Um, It's just land the plane and then repair afterwards. And and part of that repair is preparation for the next flight. Mm -hmm. If you kind of understand that, why is that helpful? Because then you're not doing what you shouldn't be doing at the time. You're just containing it and waiting and soothing their brain so that the brain can come back on. And then you can begin to do that repair pre-work into Mm -hmm. the next moment. Mm -hmm. And so for instance... Um, there are so many things that come into play here. Number one is systems. Like I'd love to know what's happening in the morning that sets this off. So like well before the name calling happens, because the name calling is an attempt to express some sort of want, need, feeling, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Or to express my boundaries have been violated, you know, or I don't know how to do something. So there's a combination of, skills that the child needs that does that they don't have right now. There's mm-hmm. a combination of systems that are in place that maybe are not the beneficial systems for that child or systems that aren't in place that would be beneficial. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, as far as our systems, a little one wakes up in our bed or somewhere in our room every single night. Um, and this is, this is also something that we're working on, but that's a whole, I feel like that's a whole other podcast is how to get your kid out of your bed. So he, my little one always wakes up first and then my older one wakes up. Um, and usually my little one wakes up and we'll just play. 
I won't let them watch TV right away. Um, I had a, I had a rule for a while of no TV at all before school. And that actually seemed to work really, really well. But then if he wakes up at like five o'clock in the morning and doesn't go to school until, you know, we don't leave for eight 30. Um, sometimes I'll let him watch a show, but he always wakes up. So I feel like part of it just in kind of thinking about what you're saying, part of it is they're very competitive. My kids are super, super competitive, which I, I sometimes I think is good. It works for my advantage because I can get them, motivate them to do stuff by almost like competing with each other. Like who's going to get dressed first? Who's going to brush your teeth first? And it kind of helps them to move along so that I'm not like, do this, do this, do this. Like, okay, let's see who can do this first. And I think that sometimes where the struggle in the morning starts is that when my little one wakes up, like he feels like he's woken up first. So he gets to pick and choose and he gets to be the first one to do this. And then my older one wakes up and then it becomes like the competition doesn't become like a friendly competition. It becomes like a fight. This is such a good example of things that we do that are short-term gain, but high cost long-term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great example of like, yes, you're using that idea of who can brush their teeth first, who can do this first. So what happens to the kid who comes in second? I mean, usually it just kind of dissipates. Mm-hmm. There's not like a fight. There's they're they're not. There's not like a fight over you. You lost. Like they don't. They won't say like you were a loser or you lost or. It's just I did it first or you know I'm dressed. I get in the car first and then it it just ends. Like so they they're very good. Like they don't. I feel like they don't take it to a level where like it's you know you're not good or you're like they're right. downplaying the other person. It's just a it's more of a I won. I came in first. I did what mommy and daddy asked. Or, like I put my shoes on first. I'm ready to go. Right. I just wonder if perhaps there's a low level of anxiety there. Like there is a place that's better than the other place. Right. No, I understand. I'm saying. There's somebody who did what mommy and daddy asked first. There's somebody who's closer to the family unit. There's somebody who won this. Like, is that a constant feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a big deal. Like you may decide, no, I actually think this is really fun for us and we want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that would be great. Or you may decide, hey, I'm looking at it. And actually, now that I look at it with that lens on, I actually do see a lot of that you know, going through our days. And maybe there is a different way, you know, because it could just be just as easy to say, hey guys, I wonder who's going to wear red pants today and who's going to wear green pants. I don't know. And that way they go in their room. There's still a surprise. You've still created some intrigue, some interest, Mm -hmm. you know, for them to come out and show you what they chose, Mm -hmm. you know, but it doesn't feel as competitive. Now, I'm not opposed to competition. I think competition is super healthy. I think competition can be fabulous. I think some kids are really competitive and that actually we do a huge disservice to our kids by not allowing them to be competitive because we think it's not nice. Mm -hmm. So this is not um, some overall like, hey, don't be competitive kind of vibe. It's just a matter of when you really look at your very specific family, Mm -hmm. is that language helping you? Or might there be a better version, you know? Missy, what are your thoughts? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Life is full of twists and turns, stress, changes, grief, moments of growth, and moments where we feel like we're taking a few steps back. And it's important to show up for yourself through all of the struggles that life can bring. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. That's pretty good, right? Like, and therapy, therapy is good, people. Like, you know, having a safe space to talk about your feelings. It's just, it's great for clarity. Like just having a place, somebody who's willing to listen to you helps you listen to yourself every week. This is a good thing, my friends. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. And the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. That's so good, right? Because it's kind of awkward. Like, what if you get the wrong person, you know? So they've made it easy. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being because, well, you know, you deserve some inner peace. Visit betterhelp.com slash raising. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Hey, if you're one of those therapists, maybe you could sign up too. We have a special offer for Raising and Rising listeners. Get 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com raising. That's betterhel dot raising. I did have something I was going to ask because my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, I have one kid. Uh, she's six, very strong-willed. Um, and she and I love to compete together. And I'm wondering, it it's helps me tremendously. I'm like, you can't get to the car before me. Mm-hmm. And like, other than, come on, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, would it be possible if you were against them? So they were a team in some way in the morning. Like, could that, right. could that work? Yeah, we like, could- I'm yeah, definitely. Put my clothes on before both of you, yeah, or something. I don't know because I then it's not them against each other, but there's still the competition, and then it's against mommy. That's how I usually get them to leave the park without a complete and utter meltdown. I was like, all right, who's going to win this race? And like we literally line up, and the three of us run. And, Beautiful. Oh, I got to um, do that. So, yeah, <laughs> it's really. Yeah, because I have we live like one house down from the park, so there's always the chance of meltdown city of leaving the park. So if I don't, I feel like if I don't preemptively strike it with okay, when mommy says we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave, and I make them like say what did I just say and repeat it back to me. If I don't do that, and then we're like tired or hungry or hangry or whatever it is, my only way to like get them to like kind of snap out of it is I will race them like physically, and I really do try to win. Most of the time, but I do, I do let them, I do let them win, but I can't help it. Me too. <laughs> like a mom of boys, I'm like, oh yeah, you can't beat me. Um, I love it. But yeah, but no, I mean, in terms of the morning, yeah, because I usually, I would say probably 90% of the time, I mean, it depends, but uh, we kind of split up like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my husband takes them and then, but sometimes I do um, on those days. But yeah, I mean, I could easily make it, turn it into more of a competition um, with all of us. And I, like I said, I think that, you know, we we're trying to kind of balance that fine line of not having it be a competition where somebody's being spiteful and mean and nasty about yeah. the winning. Um, but that was, I think Missy kind of to your 
what you were saying, like that was my way of getting out of the nagging and the yelling and the like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go constant. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like that, like that badgering. And then I'm starting to build because I'm getting mad because they're not listening because I'm listening is a whole nother thing. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's a good just kind of way, especially with school, because I feel like school is just it goes from like they're just kind of chilling. So, all right, we got to get ready. We got to go. Like there's, there's a hard deadline. And I feel like that's, you know, when things can start to kind of fall apart sometimes for them too. Right. So that's, um, so that you bring up another point there, which is that big shift into like, we got to go, we got to go. That kind of shift is so hard for kids because they don't run on time, you know, um, in that way. And I kind of wish we didn't. I mean, my God, it's so lovely. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. And, you know, there's like two kind of concepts of time. There's like Kronos and Kairos, right? So Kronos is like, you know, the watch time, you know, like, like, let's be really clear, like eight o'clock is eight o'clock, you know, and Kairos is more of a a sense of like timing, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like feeling Mm -hmm. into time, right? Seasons and um, more of an inner feeling of time. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, children do not run on Kronos. And the moment that we are like, you know, hey, you got to do this and we do that hard shift, it can feel very cold. Like we're kind of pulling out the relationship and we're actually now just getting very like result oriented. And that can make our kids feel really stressed out, mm-hmm. almost like the net gets pulled out from under them and they start to panic. And so some kids, when they panic, are going to just freeze. And some kids, when they panic, are going to get really aggressive, right? And some mm-hmm. kids are just going to get like, super spacey, dreamy, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you kind of really want to avoid that hard feeling. One of the ways you can know you've done your best in the morning is to know I never, ever had that switch. I was able to like, instead of going like, you know, hey, it's like 20 degrees, 20 degrees, 20 degrees, 90. Mm -hmm. Like to be like 20, 23, 30, you know, 37, you know, bring it up, bring the temperature up. So that it's really delicate and it's really like very clearly moved along so that there's never that moment where it's like, okay, I got to go. Right. So what's your recommendation? Like, as far as I feel like what, if I do that, I try to keep saying like, okay, we got five minutes for this. Like we got to brush our teeth. We got to do this. We got like, I try to, I don't give them specific times because I I know that they don't understand like, like chronologically, like what needs to get done. But I just try to say like, okay, you know, we got to do this. We got like, I try to give them, I guess, prompt them. Um, You know, this is like not just school, but this is anything like leaving somewhere. I mean, this is always like, I feel like this is a pretty big toddler issue. um, Young kid issue is how do you, how do you transition them with like, you know, or like sometimes there is like, we got to go right now. Like you guys have been you know, messing around and lallygagging. Like, I'm always like, you were like the biggest lallygaggers in the world. You're just like, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're like, I'm like, do you, can you like pick up? I'm like, come on. I was like, put some fire under your feet. Like my other one's like, so um, can you explain how like the, the world was created when the dinosaurs? I'm like, no, we got to go to school. Like, I can't do that right now. And he's like, well, can't you just ask Alexa? I'm like, no, I can't. Alexa said go to school. Like, come on, let's just, you know, it's like, so, so oh there's God. like the, the times when you, I feel like, 
you know, you know, like you're working up to something, but then all of a sudden it's like, and you get distracted. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I was making lunch or I, you went to check one thing on your phone and then you had three messages and then you're bright. Yeah. And, and you're like, you're Oh my gosh, we got to leave for school. Wait, I just been TikToking for 15 minutes and I don't even know who these people are. And they just ruined my whole vibe. And now like, I'm going to get really pissed at you because you're not doing what I told you to do 15 minutes ago because you're watching TV because I got sucked into like some stupid thing on my phone, you know, something like dumb like that. But it's so true. Like you're, you listen, if you listen to yourself, you have the answers, right? So one is like, don't TikTok in the morning. The, but the lesson of this podcast is don't TikTok <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> don't TikTok ever. It's just stupid. It's like ruining your brains or America's brain cells. So bad. here's what I want to say is that you know, number one, it is about focus. So, you know, I sometimes like to tell people that we are on the clock, like, and and I think this is really hard because we feel like, oh my God, I'm on the clock all the time. Like, are you kidding? But I, I, I sometimes tell people like, imagine you're in a hospital and like somebody comes in and they're like wheeled in to the trauma unit. You can't be like, oh dude, I'm, I'm out. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to be fully on, you're present, you're there. Yeah. I'm a nurse. So I kind of, I do kind of get that. Right. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, it doesn't really matter what's going on. Like you have to be present and responsive to that mm-hmm. situation. And so it's the same kind of vibe where if you really play and, and, and sometimes I give people that example, or sometimes I'll be like, you know, you want to be Steph Curry on the court, right? You, you want to be like, this is my game. Like I'm fully in this. So if you kind of imagine breakfast to feel like that, that you are this orchestrator, of this beautiful symphony, you know? So it's not like, oh, I got to get up and get everybody out and I'm doing all this stuff. But actually your energy that you walk into is like, I'm actually orchestrating this. I'm in charge here and I can create energy and move energy. You know, you mentioned to me that your youngest likes to sleep with you still. And so I have a question for you, which is, I'm going to bet this is a super relational child. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet this is a child who has high morals around relationship and that he doesn't necessarily get as upset when somebody takes a toy because they took the toy and he wanted the toy, but he might get upset somebody took the toy because how dare you take something from me and hurt our relationship that way? Is that Mm -hmm. possible that that's more his vibe? Yes. Paul say to my older one, like, that's my mommy. She's okay. my mommy. So he's he feels very secure with you, mm-hmm. right? You give him a tremendous amount of security. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably also hard because he is so big. So he probably gets treated bigger than he is sometimes. And he's mm-hmm. trying to also let everybody know, hey, I'm actually still really little, right? So you kind of want to lean into that. So when you ask him to get ready, that also could almost like hit that nerve, that exposed nerve of like, you're really big, get ready on your own, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. so you might want to actually say things to him like, hey, are you going to brush your teeth or would you like me to help you? Because I was thinking I'm going to go in the kitchen and I made some oatmeal for you and it's so warm and gooey. And I was thinking maybe you are ready to put the butter in, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you just want to sit with me while I put the butter in and we could watch it melt together. That's a child who's going to come right in the kitchen right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But saying, hey, you got to go. It's breakfast time. It's breakfast is actually like not at all going to make him move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I mean that example alone, like he always wants to cook with me. 
He wants to pull like a chair over. He wants to have like his own spoon. Like he very much wants to, he's very, you're right. We're very much wants to engage like in tandem, like side by side. So he's um, a helper and a yeah, nurturer. He's a helper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're going to always tap into his desire to help and nurture, and mm-hmm. then you're going to help and nurture him. And then you can teach the brother, hey, your brother loves this. So like if the brother wants something that the younger one has, you might say, well, he loves helping and to be helped. I wonder if you could figure out something you could do to help him. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's another toy he would love and then he'd be willing to give you that one. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. But that that's part of how your brother likes to care for people. And that's usually a good clue into how people like to be cared for. We usually care for other people the way we like to be cared for. We assume other people run the way we do. So that's a good way to look for somebody's love language is how do they love? So I should really squeeze the life out of him too and try to get on his back. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Did I say that? No. I squeeze the life out of your chest. He's like, mom, he's like, I just want to hug your sex. Like he's like so yeah. physical. Like he literally, like I always say, I'm like, Jack, if you could go into back into mommy's belly, would you? And he's like, yes. Yes, yeah. I would. Like he would physically probably put himself back into my body if he could. But yeah, no, that's definitely, um, you know, I think that, I think he's a very proud person. I think that his, a lot of also his um, response to certain situations is to make me proud or make my husband proud or say, look what I did. So he likes that reassurance. Um, but I also think part of it, like you're kind of, to what you're saying is, is just feeling like, um like he is, you know, helping or he is, he is doing like the help and he is, he's the one that's actually like driving that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, giving him jobs, asking him to help, appreciating his help because that'll help make him feel proud. And then you have to make sure you're taking care of the other one while you're doing this. So what's the other one's love language? Um, he, his love language is he's, um, he's a pleaser. Like he very much wants to do the right thing. Um, I think he wants to, he's like a very, like, I, I kind of say all the time, like, I feel like he lives in a world of black and white and the other one lives in a world of gray. Like my older one is like, he's very right or wrong or, um, you know, just, and very, it's very important for him to know that he's doing something that's pleasing somebody or that's making somebody like feel good. It's like, it's, he does it directly and indirectly too, but actually, um, This might sound surprising, but I actually don't want to lean into that Mm -hmm. at all um, because I don't think it's helpful. Um, Kids like this can get super rigid Mm -hmm. and they can get super controlling of other people. Mm -hmm. They can sometimes become extremely sensitive to how other people view them Mm -hmm. and they can get really um, embarrassed, uh, have a lot of shame, be really controlling about like even like you're not supposed to stand there. Like they're going to look at you. They're going to see you you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you actually want to help a child like this open up and you want to make it less scary to do things wrong. So you don't want to lean into like, oh, you've pleased me. You haven't pleased me. Mm -hmm. You want to start saying, well, what pleases you? Mm -hmm. Does it please you that it's very orderly? Um, Interesting. Well, then you can make things orderly for you. For some people, they like it when it's not quite as orderly because it 
like sparks their creativity. Mm-hmm. And some people like it when it's really orderly because that's actually what sparks their creativity. It makes them feel safe. Mm-hmm. Some people feel like it's too hemmed in. Who are you? You like it orderly. I like it pretty orderly, but maybe not quite as much as you do. Your brother really likes things to be a little looser. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So if we're going to make him a plate, maybe we want to make it like this, or we want to let the rice and the beans co-mingle. And maybe for you, we want things a little bit more separate. What happens if the rice and the beans come together? Huh. Not okay, huh? But they come together in your belly and they come together in your mouth. So interesting. I wonder if we could find the exact moment where it's not okay for them to come together. Let's see. Let's put one little grain of rice and one little half of a bean. Hi, I'm a little grain of rice. Oh, hi, I'm a bean. Well, hi, it's nice to meet you. Are we allowed to be friends? You know? And so you could like Mm -hmm. play with that Mm -hmm. and just make it like less scary for things Mm -hmm. to be not quite so orderly. And then, you know, if he's like wants to do something to make you happy or to make you proud, you could say, well, I really love when you feel happy and proud of yourself. If you would like to run here and, you know, you wonder if it would help me, it would incredibly help me for you to bring those groceries in. But does it also help you feel strong? Yeah, Mm. that's beautiful. I love to see you feel strong. Yeah, you want to do that for yourself so you can feel strong? Great. So that we're always helping this child loop in with themselves. So today we've got a new kind of wireless provider to let you guys know about, Mint Mobile. Those big wireless providers forget that families come in all shapes and sizes. That is why Mint Mobile decided to shake up the wireless industry with their brand new modern family plan. Each line starts at 15 bucks a month and you only need two lines to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. So Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for your family or for yourself. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, which means that, you know, if you need to text your friend all of the crazy things your child has just stuck to the wall, you can do that as many times as you like. Mint Mobile's modern family plan lets you mix and match data plans so everyone gets the amount of data that's just right for them. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, including the modern family plan, go to mintmobile.com slash raising. That's mintmobile.com slash raising. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash raising. I was just wanting to go, I mean, I think that all sounds really lovely. I wanted to kind of go back to uh, some of the stuff in the morning as opposed to like a competition or whatever, like... Um, I was, I had a morning too, Nicole, where I couldn't, I was trying to get in here and everything was just a bit of a mess. My daughter um, wet her bed. So she has to get in the tub. So that always adds 15 minutes in the morning or at least. Mm-hmm. And then getting around, I couldn't get her out of the tub. I was like, come on, let's go. Oh, let's, you know, let's go run into the bedroom and whatever. And then I stopped. I, I had tried like nine. I couldn't think of anything to do. I couldn't think of a single game because I was like, I got to get in there and get on that Zoom. We got So then it was like, you got to go. Come on, please. Can you please get out of the tub for me, please? Okay, I'm going to do the drain. And, the mur- and she was like, no, no, no. You know, and then I was like, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> um, then I'll get you out of the tub. And then I, was, I wasn't thinking about what to do. And there's this one game that we 
like her school on Wacky Wednesday, they, they have a thing called Wacky Wednesday. So they do things a little differently. And it's like, your assignment for Wacky Wednesday is to get dressed in the dark. And then I thought like, oh, I could do that. Like, she loves games. She loves play. So I thought, well, oh, maybe as I'm sitting here thinking like, what could I have done? I was like, well, I could have been like, let's get out of the tub, but see if we can do it with our eyes closed. <laughs> you know, <sighs> I didn't. And then she told me she wanted to, that the way I was talking to her made her want to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Um, Happy but, Wednesday. But, but, but can I just say something? Because I think we are so hard on ourselves as parents, okay? We are going to have moments like this. And we're going to have moments where we're like, just get the fuck out of the tub, okay? <laughs> and it's going to happen. And it doesn't make you bad or wrong. It doesn't no, make your right. kids bad or wrong. It All it means... So for me, I'm a huge fan of taking these moments and going, awesome, that really didn't work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tonight, let's like hang out. Let's have some lovey time. Let's make sure we're all connected. And then I like to do what I call portal time, which is let's lie in bed together with the lights out and let's go, well, golly, this morning was no fun. Tell me all the five things I did wrong. Mm -hmm. And then that opens up well, can I say something I feel like you could have done that would have helped me do better? You know, I wonder if maybe you might have said, um, you know, I don't want to get out of the tub because, or if you could have reminded me it's Wacky Wednesday, but maybe that's too hard because I couldn't even remember it's Wacky Wednesday. Or maybe um, I could have remembered that you get really upset when you go to the bathroom and, um, you know, in the bed and that... I should have remembered that this was a hard moment and maybe I should have left you alone in the tub for a little bit longer to just feel like you could regroup. Like what would help you get out of the tub? Because like, mm -hmm. here's the deal. School was starting and I know you don't like to be late. And mommy did so many things that didn't help. So help me do better. What would have helped you get out? And usually if you like lay it like that to a kid... They'll tell you, well, you should have done this and you should have done that and you should have done this. And you go, okay, so if I do those things next time you're upset, could we do an experiment where I do exactly what you tell me and then you see if it actually helps you? Okay, great. I'm going to do it exactly right. Can I practice right now? And then you practice. And so you do it as you practicing, but actually they're also having to practice. So you go, okay, get in the tub right now. And that could be like, you know, a part of the bed. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. you're in the tub and you pretend that a part of the bed is the tub and you go, you're in the tub. And here's what I did this morning. I was like, bah, 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 bah. but <sighs> I'm going to do it better. So I'm going to do exactly what you said. So I'm going to say, you know, da, 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 da. And then you, what would you do? And then you have them practice this new reaction. And I call this fire drilling so that you're literally like getting it in their body, not in the time of difficulty. And just like a fire drill, we practice so many times so that if ever there is an actual fire, we're like, oh, I, I know what to do. Do you know? And so mm -hmm. I like to do it like that. And so if they come up with a solution, I like to fire drill that solution over and over and over in funny, silly ways. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like maybe I say, hey, get your red shirt on. And then I see like a little scowl and I go, oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to do that thing you told me. And then you see, can, can, you, can you take it from a zero heightened state and work it at a two heightened state, work it at a six heightened state, so that next time they're in a 10, there's a bigger chance they'll be able to do it. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. I, I was a little, when you said a two and a four and a 10, I got a little confused. Oh, thank you, Missy. What I mean is um, you try it out at like, you know, when it level zero of difficulty is like, we're snuggled in bed, we're laughing, we're cuddled. Oh, right. And okay. then I say it and you can do it. Um, and then level two of difficulty might be, I mentioned the shirt you don't like, you know, right. so you're not like super heightened angry, but you're kind of like, oh, this could go wrong. Does that make uh, sense? So we, yeah. we okay. come in at the very low end of like, uh-oh. And then like level five might be like they're fighting over, you know, minorly skirmish. Does that make sense? And like, could I help you here? To, right? But like level nine might be going to school when I really don't want to go to school. That might be a level nine. Right? Does that help make sense of that? Yes, it does. Nicole, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I think my, I think my four-year-old's too little to fully grasp that concept. But I do think that he has the ability to reflect. So I think making it fun in a fun way. So what I, what I took from that, I don't know that I would do the numbers thing, but I like the, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of reviewing what happens and admit, I think it's important to admit to your kids when you're wrong. I do it all the time. And I'm like, mommy was wrong. I'm really sorry that I did that. It didn't feel good. And, you know, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Like, I think it's important to apologize, you know, when you need to, or admit that, you know, you weren't your best person and trying to make a game out of it saying like, this is a portal and let's go back and say, you know, okay, we're sitting in your room and you're screaming at your brother and, and you, you know, you're yelling at me and like, what, like taking him back there. Um, or like, I'm just thinking like something that Missy said, but we have this struggle getting out of the car all the time. Like I have to unbuckle his seat when we get in the driveway. And if I don't do it, it turns into this whole debacle. So it's like, role-playing actually sitting in the car and saying, okay, what are we going to do? Who, how are you going to get out? How do you feel? Like it's actually using a specific circumstance and going back to that point and saying to them, okay, how did you feel? What happened? What didn't you like that I did? This is what I did. You know, and, and having that conversation because I think it engages them. I think that it it helps you. And, and I think at that point, there enough time has passed, you know, that they can honestly say like, this is what upset me or this is how I felt or whatever, yeah. but then also coming up with specific things about, okay, next time, because my kids do the same thing. Like if they wet their bed and I had to throw them in the bathtub and it's, we got to go somewhere. It's like, okay, well, how are we going to address these certain things? Or what are we all going to do differently to make sure that we're not all upset with each other or that it's, you know, but doing it in a fun way, like doing it Absolutely. in a way that, that engages them in a way that, you know, provides them, provides you with feedback from them. It also provides them with an understanding that like, Hey, I, I hear what you're saying and this wasn't okay and let's change it. But, you know, having fun with it, like we're in a portal and now like you're in the, they're in the bed, but they think they're in the bathtub and like, that's all fun stuff for kids. And I feel like you gotta, you know, you gotta have fun with your kids and, and they gotta feel like, like you're, you know, that you're having fun with them and that you're understanding what they're saying. So I think, I think being able to go back and and redress that situation, but then come up with a plan for, okay, well, what's going to happen next time? Because you're right. When push comes to sub, sometimes you really do need to, but how do you like preemptively strike that so that you're not in the throes of something yourself as a parent or even as a child? Exactly. Um, And that's why it it sort of circles us back to the beginning of the conversation where it was like, the pre-work and the repair. It's like, mm-hmm. that's how you do that. And mm-hmm. and it is fun. And just to be clear, um, two things. Number one, the numbers aren't for your kid to understand. They're just for you. So you would mm-hmm. be like, oh, this is a good number too. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't be telling your kid that it's just for you if it helped you. And on that same note, 
you know, you are the expert in your family, right? You are the expert in how you roll and how your kids roll. And so, you know, anything that we say, if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right, you know? So you you have to sort of take it in and digest it and then work it into the culture of your family, right? And and make it make it feel part of your language. And so I love that, you know, you just um, take from it what feels right and what would work for you guys. And then you digest it. And, and the last thing I'll say, and I want to touch base with you, Missy, on this is I think so often we think, oh, kids are too young to understand this. And what I find is that if we come to kids um, with a really open heart, our kids are brilliant. Like even at the age of three, a child can be quite clear about how they feel and what they want and replay things. And, um, you know, certainly all kids are going to develop in different, you know, timeframes and all of that. And some kids have more verbal development at different times and, you know, all kids are different. So it's not always verbal. That's the other thing is that you could say to a child who's really not that verbal and say, you know, do you not like it when I do that? If you don't like it when I do that, can you do me a favor and, um, you know, squeeze my finger? Okay. Would you prefer if I did this? Squeeze my, squeeze my pinky if you like this and squeeze my thumb if you prefer this. And so you can actually work with a kid who's not that verbal in the same exact way, right? And so you just are going to do more pantomime, more physical play, um, but it's still communication and it's still rich and beautiful and powerful. Like for me, I run too fast. I overschedule. I'm like, you know, yes, I'm a yes person. And so I'll be like, got it. And then I just have to slow down because I'll throw a bunch of things at her and she's she's so much slower. For me, I just have to get so calm and slow. And yeah. then she's right there. And for me, it's also hard because I'm a people pleaser. And like I was doing some work with her. We were trying to get her out the door for something. And my friend was there who doesn't have kids. Mm. And she heard me talking to her in the shower and she made a face at me like this. And I was like, what? She's like, I didn't like the way she talked to you. And I was like, I've been working so hard. I don't understand. Anyway. And then I, later the next day, I was like, oh, maybe I am too permissive and blah, 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 blah. And I I just, I went out of my, does that make sense? Like I went out of my, all the things I've been working on to accommodate someone else's (laughs) criticism of my parenting which I didn't mean to do. It just sort of happened in my brain. My brain went, you're doing this wrong. Are you sure this is right? Yeah, because there's so many messages coming at our, um, you know, at us as parents and societal messages and people who don't have kids or people who have kids but don't have strong-willed kids. It's complicated. Everybody has an opinion right now, especially with social media. Anyway, that's another podcast, along with getting your kid out of the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hey, can I, I just have a question about him getting in your room with you. And this may be nothing, but I just had a question for you. Is your room dark? Yes. It's like blackout dark and he still wakes up at five? Yeah, so is theirs. Yeah. And they have a nightlight. Yeah. No, this has been like literally, he wakes up every night and he comes into our room. Was to the point of where, like, we put like my other son's old car bed. He had a car bed. It's in our room. So we have two beds in our room. And like, I'll give him a kiss and I say to, and we, sometimes we talk about it beforehand and say, Jackson, if you wake up, you know, you got to go in the car bed. You can't sleep with mommy and daddy. You can get in in the morning and snug for a little bit, but you can't come in in the night. So 
nine times out of 10, he's really good about it. And I can redirect him. I get up, I put him in the bed, I give him a hug and a kiss, I put his blanket on him and he's pretty good until like five, six. And then he comes back in for some snugs. And then it's, you know, if he's awake, he's awake. Um, but he just, the other night he came in and I swear he was sleepwalking. I don't even think he knew that he got in our bed because he crawled in and he went right to sleep. Like he didn't do his normal stuff. He's just in such like a routine. And he always says that he's scared, but he shares a room with his brother. I'm like, but your brother's here. He's like your protector. What are you scared of? I don't say what he's scared of, but I'm like, I understand it gets scary sometimes, but you have Charlie, like you guys are together, you know? And um, it's every single night. I feel like I have like a newborn. Yeah. I I think he sees you as the safety. You know, it's funny. We have um, a poodle and for the longest time, whenever my husband and I would leave the house, the poodle would just cry the whole time. And we were like, but the boys are here with you. Like you're not alone. And, um, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't see them as her protectors. Mm -hmm. She sees them as other, you know, other poodles. Yeah. Other poodles. poodles. Um, You know? And so I think your son, there's only so much, um, he can take away from you, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like emotionally, it gets to be too many hours. He's too far away from the fire. He's got to go back and feel the fire. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just think of yourself as the hearth and you just keep trying to like warm him, you know, Um, there's a book called The Invisible String that's really lovely. Uh, It might be nice for him, um, but, you know, you can think with him about all the ways that he can feel mommy, because if you don't solve that problem, you can't solve the sleep problem is what it sounds like. And, um, you know, he doesn't view the brother in that way. He views you that way. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he says to me all the time, I'm I'm never going to let you go. Like he literally, he says to me, so I taught him that that song and just excuse my voice, but you know, it's like, never going to let you go. (laughs) My four-year-old knows that song. And I played it for him the other day. And it's like a guy that sings it. This is literally what we sing every day. He's like, mommy, I'm never going to let you go. And he's singing. It's like, just never going to let you go. That's hilarious. Literally, I'm like, I've taught my son an 80 song because he's so physically attached to me that he literally won't let me go. So I played it for him the other day and he goes, I do not like this song, mommy. Your song is way better. I was like, well, it's the same song, (laughs) bud. I was like, it's just not me singing it. But he sings it to me all. This is like our song. I was like, just so you know, when you get married, this is what we're going to dance to because like that's how, but yeah, I'm a hundred percent. And I keep saying, you know what? He's not, he's going to grow out of this at some point and I'm going to want him back in my bed. I know I am, but so I just got to, but, um, to the same degree, it's, you know, I would also like to sleep by myself. Yeah. You know, something you could do that might help too is you could give him a lot of that squeezy physical attention during the day a lot of rough housing from you, a lot of physical touch to like mm-hmm. almost try to fill up his cup. Almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like you're filling his calories for the mm-hmm. during the daytime so he can sleep longer at night. So you got to fill his love calories, right? Yeah. Um, and see if that helps. I fill him up a lot, but I can, I guess there's always room for more for him. He might be exceptionally he's hungry. So- he he's, might be exceptionally he's quite hungry. big. He's, he's 60 he pounds. I mean, yeah. he's a big guy. Yeah. He, he needs more love snacks. More love snacks, right. please. I'm love snacking more. Awesome. And what's your takeaway? What are you taking with you from today? Um, 
well, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to get this invisible string and see about that. Um, and, um, I think the biggest takeaway is just like the, you know, going over and reviewing kind of the things that happened in the moment where things didn't go right and having that conversation, um, and, and, you know, giving, giving him a little bit more credit to be able to explain and articulate, you know, how he's feeling and why he's feeling the way he is and, and be able to engage in a conversation with, all right, what are we going to do different next time? You know, just really kind of help and nurture that part of his love language in terms of you know, what he needs from me and my other one too. Um, but, you know, really just making sure to understand that kind of sometimes it's, it's important to take a step back and have that conversation and, and set the tone for, all right, next time we're not going to do this, but how are we going to act differently? Um, so I think that was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. And it comes down to a simple question of not how can I get you to move through, but what right. would make you want to move through? Mm-hmm. What would make you want to move through and how do we do it together? And then competing with them myself in the morning, not necessarily competition between the two boys. All right. Well, Nicole, I hope we have helped you, Nicole, to uh, be able to maybe get out of the mornings a little bit easier. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, happy mornings. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. You have a great day as well. So we just talked to Nicole and I think this is something that I feel like we just will hear over and over again. It's this whole, you know, you have two different temperaments children, obviously, and like, how do you navigate their personalities? But also just this idea of like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're, you're trying, you know, not trying not to badger them, but it's your frustration starts to build. And like, I feel like everything else shuts down, you know, your cognitive thinking. It's just like, we have to go. Right. Ah! Stop killing each other for stupid reasons. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's so beautiful is that she's so aware she wants to protect each child's individual personality, right? And that is so important going into um, adulthood and into their own teenagerhood too, right? Like so that they, what I love is like when you get to parent in this tailored way and you're not just like there is a good parenting and a bad parenting. It's like actually there's a parenting that's going to be really effective for this child and not effective for that one. And like you use like very specific language with each child, then that child gets to be the best version of themselves. And that there isn't this like comparison in the house where everything has to be the same. It's like you actually know who you are. And then if they know who they are in the family and in themselves, then as they go out in the world, they know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and then also the idea of sort of you know, uh, siblings are always like, oh, we didn't get along at all, but now we're super close. And it's this idea of like, you know, instead of like fighting against each other, it's like, hey, how about you two want to go against me? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what? Oh yeah, let's, because, you know, at least one of them has the urge to win. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And another really fun little game that you guys can try is when your kiddos won't cooperate, just lie down on the floor and see if they can both roll you together towards the door. And getting them to work together physically on like a physical challenge like that, it gives you a moment to just drop to the ground and be like, I'm not in charge of this. Like, like put them in charge. It, it kind of resets you as a parent because you don't feel like you're just like forcing other people to do things. And it's just so interesting for the kids. And then they have to work together because, you know, you're probably pretty heavy for them to roll to the door. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> even if you're tiny, um, we're still big for them. So, uh, so they kind of have to work together to roll you towards the door. And that can really often uh, set a day going in a great direction. Yeah. That's what brings that family loyalty and that sense of like, I am who I am and I am an individual, but I'm also part of a team. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. And I think that's what we all want. So it just takes takes some time and it just these you know you, these things happen over and over again and then hopefully you get to a place where like this is smooth sailing until the next thing happens. Yeah, because whatever you build, they're gonna break it. Because they're assholes. No, we love them. Assholes who we love. Assholes we love. Why don't we name the podcast "Assholes Who We Love"? <laughs> it would be too long of a list. <laughs> How to love the assholes we love? Let's go back in time and, and do that. <laughs> So you guys, we're going to invite you to fantasize with us for a moment. We're tired. We're all hustling. We're all getting shit done. So just take a moment, let go of all your limitations, and imagine what your perfect parent life would look like and feel like for a moment. Hey, Missy, you having any fantasies lately? Uh, I want a massage. I want a salt scrub. I just want there to be like a, hi, and there's just someone that's very appealing to me, both intellectually and physically, with nice strong hands. Gives me a nice salty scrub, and then you know, nice massage, a little exfoliation, maybe a haircut, a bath. Someone, I want someone to give me a bath and wash my hair. Okay, so my fantasy is that I get left snacks all day long. I just want all the people in my life, because <laughs> like verbal communication is totally my love language. I just want like multiple times today for like my husband and my kids to just come by and just give me love snacks. And then I would like someone to just meditate my brain for me. So my brain, just hand it back to me. It's like, it's done. It's been cleansed for the day. Hey, everybody. We just want to thank you so much for listening. And we hope that we've helped you in some way and that you've really enjoyed this conversation. If you or someone you know is struggling with a parenting problem, contact us using our online form at raisingandrising.co. That's raisingandrising.co. Or message us on Instagram at raisingandrising with your most frustrating parenting questions. We want to help make it better. And if you liked our discussion, make sure to subscribe to Raising and Rising on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And hey, give us an amazing rating because you know you loved it. And for those of you feeling inspired by this parenting conversation, check out motherflippingawesome.com slash help for a way to hop on a call with me and have a conversation about your family. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.